Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Our Father, we declare that this evening with absolute confidence that it is you, the resurrected King, that allows us to say, Abba, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children. Thank you, Lord, that we can come before you with boldness and confidence and worship your holy and majestic name. We lift you up this morning, Lord, or this evening. We give you glory and honor. We give praise to your name. Lord, we make your name famous in our midst this evening. Lord, we declare that once we were dead, but now we are alive because of the resurrected power of King Jesus. So thank you, Lord. Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you will reveal yourself to us, Lord, that you will speak to us in a special way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, good evening. Good to be together this evening to glorify Jesus. Quick reminder that uh, there'll be refreshments after the service, and so please stick around for that, uh, a time of just talking and uh, sharing together. Well, friends, we carry on in our series on Ears to Hear in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and it's uh, the church in Sardis this evening, and uh, the title is Dead Man Walking, Dead Man Walking. Graham, I don't know if you know it, but your flashlight is on, and it's... uh, (laughs) Perhaps there's a sermon in that (laughs) for next Sunday morning. So, the church in Sardis, dead man walking. Have you ever been to a church and everybody thinks that their church is doing just great? Sadly, it's dead. My beautiful late father passed away in 2002 And uh, he had a major drinking problem, but denied it. And the doctor said to him, you're a dead man walking. And he said, no, not me. He couldn't acknowledge he had a problem. And so if you cannot acknowledge there's a problem, then you're going to die, is what the doctor was saying to him. And sadly, he died a short time after that. I'm told that there are stars that if they were to go out, it would take sometimes 20 or 30 years before we discovered that those stars had fizzled out because they might be 20 light years away or 30 light years away. And so if they were to go out, we would only discover that 20 or 30 years later because they are so far away. Jesus writes to this church and he says, you think you're good, but your light has gone out, as it were, and you don't even know it. In the Old Testament, they call that Ichabod. Ichabod, the glory has departed. That word glory meaning the presence of God has left the place. So with that in the background, 
Jesus writes, and he says to this particular church in Sardis, as each letter is written to one of those regions in the area, to first Ephesus and then Smyrna, and Pergamum and Thyatira, and then this week, Sardis. And if he were to write a letter to you and to me this evening, I wonder what he would say to us. I'm going to ask Rachel to read the passage uh, for us tonight. A reading from Revelation 3, verses 1 to 6. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people inside us who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Rachel. Friends, Jesus writes and he says, I know your deeds. I know your, the word there, ergon, your ergon, your movements, your toil, your work, your labor, the acts of what you're doing, I know your work. And he says, it's good, it's good. And so when you talk about this church, there, there seems to be good work, but they were experiencing deadness. And so we have a look at this church and its background and the character of this church. What was this church like? And I wanna take two perspectives on this. The first one is, from the viewpoint of the members of that church. And we read in verse one that Jesus says, you have a reputation that you are alive. That word alive, that you're living and breathing and that you have the fullness of life. You're enjoying life to the full. Spiritually, you are fresh and active. You are blessed. You are doing things in the community. And that seemed to be the perspective of its members. And so if you were to ask them, how are you doing? They'd say, we have a wonderful church. We are going places. We have a reputation. And that's what Jesus says. You have a reputation. You have an onoma, that word reputation. You have an authority and a name and a character in the community that you are alive. That's great. That's what you think, as it were. But sadly, there is a problem. You have a reputation of, of being busy. Your Sunday morning service is packed. Your Sunday evening service is packed. You're doing stuff during the week. You're busy doing stuff. Heaps of activities in your church. But are you making a real impact in people's lives? There are many who say, well, you know what? We're doing well in our church. And if you were to find out the details, you'd realize that not much is happening outside of their church. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. And the beginning of that is that we become inward focused. 
me, myself, and I. And if people don't like it, they can go somewhere else, might be our attitude. There's a story about this preacher who went and started preaching at this church, and he realized that there was a bit of pushback and rejection. And they said, Pastor, our church is dead. Our church is dead. And after hearing this a few times, he said, well, why don't you come to church? Because when something is dead, we have to bury it. So please come next Sunday for the funeral service of our church. They all got ready to come to the church. And he preached a sermon on the church being dead. And he said, come to the front and pay your last respects. And in the front, he put a coffin similar to the one up in the picture. He said, come and pay your last respects. Come walk around the coffin. And in the coffin, he put a mirror. And as they looked into the mirror, they saw their own faces. And friends, the church is made up of people, not this beautiful building. And it would be a sad day if we were to think that we're alive and we're dead. But instead, this is a great warning for us when if we think we're alive and the Spirit of God has Ichabod left us, the glory of God departed, then we're in trouble. And so if you were to ask people from Sardis, folk, how's your church? They would say, we're alive. We've got a great name. But Jesus says, the next point there, from his viewpoint, you are dead. From his perspective, Jesus says, you are dead. And we must never confuse activity with the anointing of God. We must never confuse activity and busyness with the anointing of God. And I pray to God that the the faithful leaders will continue to seek God's face so we do things that is God-honoring in our church. Because if the day comes that we're running around doing stuff and we're dead inside, it's a really sad day. I remember being a kid and going to my aunt's village in Cyprus. And uh, she said, let's just go next door because that lady next door, she's good at uh, chopping chickens' heads off. I said, aunt, I'll just stay here with my mom. No, no, come, I want you to see and so she grabbed me by the hand, and uh, we went off to the, the neighbor. She, my aunt took her chook with, and she spoke to her, giving her kind of, you know, the last rites there. And, uh, and moving on to, to the, the neighbor, and the neighbor just took a knife, or kind of a, a big knife, and just chopped this chicken's head off. That's what they do in the village, you see. No woolies. And so chopped the chicken's head off. And uh, the chicken started running around. I'm saying, aunt, the chicken, chicken's getting away. And she said to me, no, it's, although it's dead, it's still alive. Let me rephrase. Although it's alive, <laughs> running around, it's dead. Friends, may we not confuse busyness and activity when we are actually dead. Because it's sometimes those things that when we're dead and we do things, it's to avoid the truth. Great Christian author Philip Yancey wrote that you can tell the difference between a living church and a dead church. And he says, live churches are filled with folks with Bibles in their hands. 
maybe through paging or maybe, you know, on the phone. I think you wrote this before we had phones. The point is still important. Dead churches are not. Live churches have noisy children and youth. Dead churches do not. Live churches move by faith. Dead churches do not. Live churches have parking problems. Dead churches do not. Live churches emphasize opportunities, but dead churches focus on problems. Live churches are characterized by loving fellowship. Dead churches manifest a bickering spirit. Live churches major on strong preaching. Dead churches emphasize liturgy. Live churches evangelize, and dead churches fossilize. May we not think that we're alive and we are dead. And I think the first opportunity that we don't look out is the beginning of the end, and it all becomes about ourselves. Church in Sardis, be careful in case you think you're alive, but you're actually dead. And I love what Jesus does in each of those seven churches, because after he explains to them what the problem is, he also gives them a solution. He doesn't say there's a problem and he says, listen, uh, I'm not going, I want you to sort it out. He gives them an answer to that problem. And he says that there is action that is needed. Action that is needed. Number one, he says to them, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. In verse two there. And friends, I think uh, th this could be a message for every single one of us. If we are not as zealous as we used to be in the things of God, and we're moving toward that kind of stale and stagnant place, Jesus is saying to you and to me, wake up. And that wake up is uh, where we get the English name Gregory from, so Grigoreo. He's saying, listen, quickly be watchful. It's a verb in the original. And he says, be cautious, take heed, and be vigilant. Open your eyes and see what God is doing. Wake up, he says. Strengthen what remains, in verse two, and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. In other words, arouse from your sleep. And he says that it's good to wake up. But secondly, once you've woken up and are vigilant, remember your salvation. Remember your salvation. Verse three there, remember, mnemoneo, recollect, be mindful, rehearse where you came from. Remember your past and remember your salvation. He says that salvation that you have received, that you have taken hold of, that was offered to you. Remember what you obtained in the name of Jesus. Remember that. You've received it and you heard it. Not only did you hear it, Jesus is saying, you heard it and you understood it. And you know that what, that was the best thing that ever happened in your life. You came to the realization, it's as if the light came on and you realized what you had in Christ. He says, hold on to that. Be vigilant, what you have received and obtained and understood. Hold it fast, he says. Tireo is the word. Hold it fast. Serve it. Watch it carefully. Guard it in case you lose it. 
Now, he's not talking about uh, once saved, always saved, or can you lose your salvation? That's not the point. But when you realize what you had, that hidden treasure, that pearl of great price, as you realize you had it, hold on to it, please, he's saying. Hold on to it. Note it. Maintain it. And that word actually says, keep it unmarried from something else. In other words, keep it pure. Keep it pure. Because that is precious to you. You see, many of us can, can, um, can get this spiritual amnesia and we don't even know it. We can forget about where we were once upon a time on our spiritual journey. We, we can forget that Jesus has delivered us. If I reflect in, in my own life on the past and how God has led me, and I know that we can each tell our stories, we realize that God has been with us. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And guess what? He never has. I'm reading the book of the author of Footprints. And she, she writes, and you know the story so well. And she says, Lord, when I felt so lonely and I felt I was on my own, in her dream, she, and God comes and says, when you were on your own and there was only one, foot of, or one set of footprints, it's when I was carrying you. Wow. How relevant is that for you and for me? Because as we remember the past, what God has done for us, we need to hold on to that, he says. If you're dead, <laughs> remember. And so he's saying, wake up, remember. And then thirdly, now that you remember your salvation, repent. In other words, when you come to your senses, turn around from the things that you were doing and wake up. And come and hold on to Jesus again. We all know that word repent. It comes up every week in each of the churches. Repent. Turn around. Metanio is what that word is. You, you've come to meta after neo, your nous, your mind, as you have been going one way, as you remember and, uh, what God has done for you because you've woken up. You turn and you go, Lord, let me come back to you. Over and over again, Jesus says, listen, repent, or else I will come as a thief in the night. Folk, I can't grasp this concept because I won't know that the thief has come. I will only wake up the next morning and realize that the thief has come and taken stuff. And the sad part is I won't even realize it because I've been fast asleep. Christophides, wake up. Remember what God has done for you. Repent, come to your senses, is what he's saying. I love what John says in 1 John 2, 28. Because there are many who want to just enter the kingdom of God by the skin of their teeth. But friends, we can stand with absolute confidence, is what John says in 1 John 2, 28. He says, and now little children, abide in him. That word abide Stay in him, endure in him. It's the greatest thing that can happen to you the side of eternity. Abide in him so that when he shall appear, not as a thief in the night, but when he shall appear, we'll have confidence before him. That word confidence, frankness, assurance, boldness, will stand with certainty before the Father, not guilty. Why? Because of what he has done for us, not 
I wonder if I'm going to make it. I wonder if I'm going to make it. I wonder, mm, I'm not too certain about this. We can stand with absolute confidence, he says, and not ashamed. The word ashamed, we don't have to stand disgraced because of what Jesus has done for us. We can stand with absolute confidence when we come to our senses and remember. But then there's a wonderful word of encouragement to those remaining faithful servants. He says in verse 4, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. It was a dead church. Jesus comes and says, even in that dead church, there are few faithful people that are walking in purity. And if you look throughout uh, the Old and New Testament, there are those remnant, what we call remnant, who are faithful. If you were to make a fire and the coals go out, there are always those few coals before the fire goes out completely that you can revive that fire. You can blow a bit of air or into that fire and you can revive it. And so he's saying something extremely profound here to, to, to those who might be dead. There are those who have been walking with Jesus, those faithful servants, and they're walking, he says, in purity, in purity. There are a few who have not soiled their clothes. The King James Version says it this way, that they haven't got spotted garments. And that's quite profound, symbolically saying there are those who have kept pure to the very end. Their garments are spotless. They are hungry for holiness in life. There's a desire for, for purity on this earth. They're not mingling and mixing with the pigs in the pigsty, if you like. They can see the pigsty from a distance. They can smell it from a distance. They're not going into the pigsty to cake themselves with rubbish, if you like. They understand the difference, and they're holding on to that purity. The Old Testament says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout earth to prove himself strong on behalf of them whose hearts are perfect for him. That word perfect such a beautiful, rich Hebrew word. It's the word shalem. And a, a similar word is shalom. You know the word shalom, that means peace of the Old Testament. And so here, shalem uh, has got to do with completeness because we found purity in Christ and we hold on to that. That's the concept from the Old Testament. We are ready and peaceable. And you know, it's that rest that is found. And might I be so bold as to say, in Christ alone, that rest that's found in Christ alone, that shalem, that peace and, and wholeness that's found in Christ. Wow, what a blessing that is. And so he's saying there are those who are walking with Jesus in purity, and they're wearing the robe of righteousness. They've come to the realization that that from a righteous perspective, their position is not guilty. The S-I-N has been done away with because of what Christ has done, this positional righteousness. But then they also realize that they want to stay pure from a practical righteousness perspective. They can come to the Lord Jesus and confess their sins, and they know that Christ is walking with them. Christ is walking with them. 
And thirdly and finally, there are few who are worthy to walk with Jesus. See, Jesus will speak on their behalf. He's on their side. He is acquainted with them. He knows them intimately. And he says there in verse five, he who overcomes, the word overcomes there, Nikau, where we get the English word Nike, you know that swish, Nike, those who have overcome, who have conquered and have, have really won and are victorious will be like them. He who overcomes will be like them. He will be dressed in white. I will never erase his name from the book of life. It's bold, if you like. I will acknowledge him before my father. That word acknowledge, exomologio, it's such a powerful word because you can have exorcism where you take out evil spirits, but here Jesus says, I will exomologio, it will come out my mouth. In goodness, I will speak and fight on your behalf like an advocate who represents you and I and says, Father, this one is, is my child. This is my brother. This is my sister. I will speak on your behalf, he says, because you are worthy to be spoken for. And that's because Jesus is on your side and is on my side. In memory of my late aunt, who same one who passed away last month. The last time we were in her village, a couple of years ago, she asked me to go with her up to the mill. And there's a picture of a, of a mill there. And uh, in the village, there was a mill. And uh, they'd been out in the fields, and they'd got a whole lot of corn. And she said to me, come. And uh, I grabbed this bag of corn and she said, we're going to get it crushed. And uh, they don't take a little crucible and crush it by hand. They go up to the mill. And uh, she introduced me to the miller. And she was explaining to him that we want this bag of corn crushed. And uh, the miller said that there's a problem because what normally happens is there's a stream. And that stream flows with water and that water turns that wheel that is connected to these two big stones with these gears. And as that big water wheel turns, it turns those two big stones and you put the corn in there and it crushes the corn so you can have cornmeal. And so as we went up, he said there's a problem because the water is not flowing enough to turn the big wheel. So I said, well, I can just pull it, you know, and, and he said, no, not going to work, and when you go away, there'll still be a problem. And so I said, so what can we do, sir? And he said, come with me. So we took a couple of garden forks, spade or two, and we went up the stream. There'd been a bit of a, a storm, and some of the trees along the stream had fallen and blocked the water from flowing. And so that allowed obstacles and debris to get into the stream and junk to gather that obstructed the stream or the water from flowing enough to turn that big water wheel. And he said to me, 
try and pull some of that out on one side, and I'll pull some of it out on the other side. So as we did that, not far from the mill, the water began to slowly trickle down. And you hear my big Greek aunt, hey, Nero, water, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> and the water began to flow. It was once dead because there was debris in it. But now it began to flow because that junk was taken out. If you can spiritualize that illustration, please. Because some of us have allowed debris to come into our spiritual lives and that's become an obstacle and cut to the water or the spirit of life to come and energize us and to bring that zeal to do the things of God. And we think we're doing okay, but many, many times we are spiritually dead. And folk, I need to be faithful to God's word. And as I prepared this, God challenged me and said, what is in your own heart that is not right? Get it out so you can have the fullness of life. And Jesus says, those I will acknowledge because they are worthy of Jesus. And that word worthy is the word axios, where we get the English word axel from. I will be on their side. I will be their weight, if you like, before the Father. And I pray tonight that he will be the one that will speak on our behalf. But I also want to challenge you that while we pray in a moment that you'll make right with God, if there is any junk in your life, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will wrestle with God, if you like, and ask him to get rid of it so the water of life can come gushing in once again and you can get excited about the things of Jesus once again for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to live life to its fullness in your kingdom because of what you have done. Thank you for your word, Lord, this evening. Lord, it is life-giving as we read it and take it in. Friends, as the, the music is playing gently in the background, won't you make right with God? I'm not going to ask you to come forward or to put your hand up, but make right with God whatever is not right. And only you know, and only God knows what is not right. But I think it's a sad occasion if you were to walk out here and you don't have the fullness of life, like that stream that can come gushing through your life and you can receive the fullness of life again. You know Jesus, but perhaps your spirit has grown a little bit cold, if you like. Perhaps you're not as alive in Jesus as you're supposed to be or as you want to be. Make right with God. Our Father, thank you that 
you have made us not guilty, but Lord, things creep into our lives that can easily distract us and we can lose our zeal for you. By your Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you will clear the pathway so the rivers of life can flow once again, that we might exalt your holy name, Lord, that we will not become complacent in walking with you, but we will exalt your holy, your majestic name and lift you up. Lord, our heart's desire is to make your name famous even to the ends of the earth. Lord, as we sing this last song, come, Lord Jesus, and fill us afresh, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.